Hello, I'm Paulette Lee, and you're listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. If you're over 60, you're still worthy of being heard. I had planned on this episode being a follow-up to last week's on sexism and aging in the theater, but my scheduled interviews on sexism and aging in film and TV fell through. I will get back to that topic, but it's really okay because there is an issue right now, this week, that's probably more pressing for most of us, and that's the economy. I'm a widowed senior citizen of modest means living on a fixed income with some investments that right now are bleeding. I have both a mortgage and a car payment, but I'm able to live within my means and, if careful, can still afford some extras, such as travel. I've recently received an insurance payment of a few thousand dollars, and I'm wondering what should I do with it? Now, I'm neither an economist, nor a financial analyst, nor a stockbroker, and I make no claim to be able to offer financial advice. However, because of my own personal interest, I have been doing some reading and some research, and maybe what I found out will be of value to you. So let's start with what's going on in our economy. Well, very simply put, we're in a post-pandemic economy, and that pandemic has affected everyone and everything everywhere. We probably all remember having learned about the law of supply and demand. Well, frankly, I get confused about the ins and outs and ups and downs of that law. What I do understand, though, is that COVID kept enough people away from work for a long enough period of time that production of goods and services slowed down so much that the result was supply shortages. And of course, it's not just in the production, but it's in the delivery process as well. However, as we started pulling out of the pandemic, we started to want to make more purchases. But not only were the goods and services we sought not as available as they had been a couple of years ago, they were more expensive. Now, here's where my understanding of economics falters. Why should the prices be higher? Well, here's that pesky law of supply and demand again. Companies, from manufacturers to retailers, know they can get higher prices when there's higher demand and lower supply, so they do. For example, gasoline prices. This past week, AAA reported the average gallon of gas in the U.S. Uh, was $5.01, above $5 in 21 states, and expected to go higher. The pandemic affected supplies of the necessary hardware for oil production, and companies had problems finding enough workers, all of which reduced the supply of oil and increased the price. Plus, Russia's attack on the Ukraine resulted in the U.S. and Europe reducing their use of Russian energy, and that further shrank available supplies. There is also greed at play. This past week, President Biden called on major U.S. oil refiners to ramp up production of gasoline and diesel, slamming them for tripling their profit. The crunch that families are facing deserves immediate action, Biden wrote in a letter to seven oil refiners. 
quote, your companies need to work with my administration to bring forward concrete near-term solutions that address the crisis, unquote. Political polls are showing that Biden's popularity is at a record low, below 40%, primarily because of the economy. But the fact is, the U.S. president can do little to impact consumer prices, not to mention if you're going to talk party politics, it's rather ironic that Republicans love big oil and gas companies and big business profits, but condemn the high prices at the pumps. The economic, uh, economics of this, though, aren't so simple. Yes, there is greed in the oil and gas industry, but there are also downtimes when those companies would argue they lose money. You may be surprised to learn, as I was, that the United States is the world's largest oil producer, but its refining capacity is down about a million barrels of oil a day, according to the U.S. Energy Department. When the demand for fuel started to go up in the wake of the pandemic, there were fewer refineries and fewer workers to meet the need. There's also a reduction in refining capacity and subsequent increase in costs because of climate change. Rising sea levels, record heat, unprecedented weather-related disasters, and increasingly unstable environmental conditions, some of them indeed caused by oil and gas companies themselves, add to the higher costs of refining oil. And drilling for more oil in the U.S. will not lower gas prices because the U.S. does not set the price of gas. The global price of oil does. Oil and gas are global commodities subject to the whims of notoriously volatile global markets. And speaking of volatile markets, Oh, I just bit the bullet and checked my investments. Very depressing. Last week, the week of June 13th, 2022, saw the worst stock market performance in two years. Big declines in major indexes amid high inflation, rising interest rates, and growing concerns about corporate profits and economic growth reduce investors' appetite for risk. Where there is no risk, there is no gain, right? This year's stock slump is the most severe market downturn since March of 2020, when COVID-19 erupted in the US. We are currently in what's called a bear market. By definition, that is a 20% decline from the most recent market high. Currently, the Standard & Poor's 500 stock index, the benchmark index that measures the performance of 500 of the largest US stocks, is down about 21.8% from its peak in January of this year. The sell-off has erased nearly $3 trillion from U.S. retirement accounts. By some calculations, 401k plan participants have lost about $1.4 trillion from their accounts, that's an aggregate, not one account, since the end of 2021. People with IRAs, most of which are 401k rollovers, have lost $2 trillion this year. But there is some good news. This is not permanent. Historically, 401k investments take about two years after a market decline of this size to regain their previous value. All right. 
for some review or maybe for the first time, let's do some big picture definitions. Inflation. That's when there's an increase in prices of goods and services due to an increase in production costs, which are brought about by supply shortages, followed by an increase in demand. Obviously, we have been experiencing inflation. Think the oil and gas example I talked about before. COVID changed everything. And again, using oil and gas as an example, companies know they can make more money selling fewer products at higher prices. Inflation is driven by strong consumer demand. And now, because of the post-pandemic comeback, and <clears throat> excuse me, given the supply shortages, that's produced an annual inflation rate for the U.S. of 8.6% for the 12 months ending May 2022. That was the largest annual increase since December of 1981. Well, something had to be done to stem inflation. Economists talk about the ideal being 2%, you know, not 8.6%. So the Federal Reserve Board stepped in and raised its benchmark short-term interest rate by 0.75%. That's three quarters of a percent. That is the largest interest rate increase in decades. The Fed's rate affects many consumer and business loans, which now will be pegged to interest rate increases of 1.5 to 1.75%, with a possible doubling of that by year's end. So you, you see the math. It, it's not matchy-matchy where the Feds raise it three-quarters of 1%, but the um, retailers uh, and the lenders will uh, raise it by more than that. And the big losers then are home buyers seeking mortgages. The mortgage third-party buyer, um, Freddie Mac, which, uh, by the way, the federally established company's name is actually Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation, but it's been reduced to an acronym, which then has been expanded to the uh, nickname Freddie Mac. All right, so they've reported that the 30-year mortgage rate rose to 5.78% last week. That would be the week of June 13th, 2022. And that was uh, going up from 5.23% the previous week. And that's the highest it's been since the 2008 housing crisis. The not-so-big winners in the interest rate increase are those who have low-risk investments, such as savings accounts and bond markets and CDs. They don't pay a lot, but the risk is also low. In announcing the rate hike on June 15th, Federal Reserve Board Chairman Jerome Powell said, quote, we need to get back to a place where supply and demand are back together and where inflation is down and mortgage rates are low again, unquote. Ah, <laughs> this is much easier said than done, and it's a slippery slope, possibly meaning the, uh, the rate increase, which possibly could lead to a recession, and in fact, many financial experts are predicting just that for the near future. A recession is when the economy slows down more than just reducing inflation. Of course, a depression is when the economy comes to a standstill. But a recession can lead to a stock market crash. 
In a recession, the employed fear losing their jobs and the retired fear losing their investments. If you're not yet retired and you are receiving Social Security, be aware that recession-induced changes in employment will be the major source of any change in the near future in Social Security wealth. However, for many people, the change will mean that earnings from an earlier year will be used to calculate your benefits instead of covered earnings on a job that was lost due to the recession. So you might not be that hard hit. The COVID-induced recession of 2021 pushed Social Security insolvency up a year. Projections in the annual Social Security and Medicare trustees reports indicate that the program will now not be able to pay full benefits as of or after 2034. So, Here are some suggestions that those who claim to know are offering retirees in anticipation of another recession. I am not advocating any of them. I am, however, looking at all of them. Get a part-time job to offset loss of income from your 401k or IRA. Do not take withdrawals from your stock funds in a bear market unless you have no other choice you won't have income to cover your losses. Do the math. If your stock fund is down 15%, as mine is, and you withdraw 4%, your account will be down 19%. Withdrawals in a bear market just make things worse. Diversify your investments. That means investing in different asset classes, such as bonds, real estate, and cash. Not all asset classes will be impacted similarly. Use stop-loss orders. You can place these orders with your stockbroker, and that means um, you can automatically sell your investments if they fall below a certain price. This can help limit your losses in the event the market falls. You may want to consider rebalancing your IRA. This means selling some of your increased value investments and using the proceeds to buy other investments that have lost value. Again, this is to help you maintain a diversified portfolio and potentially reduce losses in a stock market crash. While there's no guaranteed way to protect your IRA from a stock market crash, you may be able to minimize its impact. The truth is no investment is entirely safe. But there are five that are considered the safest, bank savings accounts and CDs, which are typically FDIC insured, treasury secretaries that are government-backed notes, and annuities that are insurance products, and then also, of course, bonds. There are pros and cons to each of these investments, so be sure you do your due diligence. In its June 13th online article, A Recession Survival Guide for Retirees, and I will post the site on the Woman Worthy Facebook page, ARP offers this advice. There may be some repetition here, but it doesn't hurt to hear it again. One, save. The biggest risk for pre-retirees in a recession is, of course, losing your job. If you're working, be sure you have an emergency fund you can tap into if the paychecks stop. 
Financial planners often recommend that you have six months worth of expenses in your emergency fund. Two, pay down debt. The money you save in interest can be used to build your emergency fund. And all things being equal, paying off a credit card that charges 16% interest is the same as earning 16% on your money. Three, keep a cash stash. Retirees who are taking withdrawals from their savings should keep about a year's worth of expenses in cash in their retirement account. Four, stay safe. Most cash options pay little to nothing in interest. Money market mutual funds, a typical cash option in brokerage accounts, currently pay 0.61% in interest. Yes, that's not much, but it's better than a 20 to 30% loss from stocks in a bear market. If you take cash withdrawals from your retirement account during a bear market, you'll give your other riskier investments time to recover. Stay on the sidelines. Sooner or later, you'll be tempted to buy stocks while they appear to be cheap. We've all heard, buy low, sell high, right? Well, take your time going back in ARP advises. Keep in mind that by the time the National Bureau of Economic Research has officially declared a recession has started, it's already probably near the end. The average recession lasts about 10 months, and the NBER typically needs about nine months to collect all the data it needs to declare that a recession has started. So those are ARP's recommendations in a June 13th online article. Most important, I think, from what I've been reading is to remember that we have been through this before and at our ages more than once. We can bounce back, and we do. Be prudent. So, what does being prudent mean for me and my insurance claim payment? Should I pay off my current car and save the monthly payment? But then my car would still be 10 years old and losing value every day as a trade-in on a new car, which I really need, and it would have higher monthly payments and higher interest rates now. Or I could trade in my car now, use the trade-in to pay off the car and the insurance claim money as a down payment on a new car or lease. Or I could use it to make a minor but necessary upgrade to my house as part of my longer-term aging in place plan. But I'm not sure I want to age in place here. Yet it's far more affordable than selling, even though I'd make a hefty profit and buying at inflated prices and mortgage rates. Or I, I could just save it and use it when I really do need it. Oh. Oh. Thanks for listening. Any comments or suggestions about how to survive this economy are welcome on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. Have a great week. You have been listening to Woman Worthy, real talk about real issues for women over 60. Tune in wherever you receive your podcasts with new episodes every Monday morning. You can leave your comments by downloading the Podbean app to your device and on the Woman Worthy Facebook page. I'm Paulette Lee. I hope you found this program worthy of your time.